Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be here one more time. Come and tell you the same story. Same old story. Same old story. The story that was taught from the beginning. From Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God. And we come to talk about the same God. We come to talk about Jesus. And what he has done to save you. Jesus is good. Jesus is so good that he has saved you that you may not die. Because he said, whoever believes in me, even if they die, they will live. So you will never know what it means to die. Because if you are in Christ, you never die. You go to sleep and you wake up in glory. So that is the message that we bring every time that we talk about the gospel. We have to continue to remind you of what God has done that you may know who you are. You see, your last name and your names are written in the book of Jesus. And your book, Jesus has closed because it does not have enough pages to write in. He has put you in his own book that has an infinite number of pages. The story never ends. And Jesus has put you in his own book. So we come to remind you one more time about who Jesus is and what he has done. And if anybody has not heard about Jesus, they have to hear about Jesus. You have to hear about Jesus because Jesus is your only hope of acceptance by God. Jesus is your only hope of salvation. So we'll go before the Lord in prayer and we'll go to our text and I'll share with you what the Lord has given me to bring to you tonight. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your throne in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we come to worship you. We come to honor you. We come to thank you even as we have been celebrating Thanksgiving. We could not have a better Thanksgiving than to give you thanks for your son Jesus Christ and what he has done to save his people from sin and condemnation. Lord, we honor you for this hour. We honor you for the people that you have brought here tonight. And Lord, I ask for your spirit, your Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth and grace that he may open the spiritual eyes and ears of your people, that they may hear from you about Christ and what Christ has done for them. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verses 13 to 17. Brother Guido has read that text for us, and I'm going to read it again. For your sake. Matthew 16 verses 13 to 17. This is what it says. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi. He was asking his disciples. Who do people say that the son of man is? And they said. Some say John the Baptist. And others Elijah but still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Verse 15, he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon by Jonah. Blessed are you, Simon, the son of Jonah. Because flesh and blood did not reveal 
this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. It's important for us to know who Jesus is. We have to know who Jesus is. For us to be called Christians, we have certain things that we have to believe about who Christ is. Many people call themselves Christians. Many consider or think themselves to be Christians because their parents were Christians or grandparents. Yet some people consider themselves to be Christians because they attended church or they sang in the choir or have given money or things to the church. And yet others think that they are Christians because they were baptized. And we have some who think they are Christians because they were born in America. So you see, there are as many different understanding of who a Christian is depending on who you ask. There is a wide variance as to what people consider for one to be called a Christian. But this is something that we have to settle. It's not about what other people are saying as we are going to learn from the text. Because when Jesus talked to his disciples, he said, what are people saying about me? But he did not stop there. He said, well, they are saying this about me and I am not even going to pay attention to what they are saying. But who do you say that I am? So Jesus has to bring the question back to you and say your eternity, your life, your forgiveness of sins depends on what you say about Jesus. Very important. Very important. So for us, we have to ask the word of God to find out if God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit have given us an understanding of who a Christian is. What makes you a Christian? Is it going to church on Sunday? Is it getting baptized? Is it talking to other Christians? What makes you a Christian? Because Mormons call themselves Christians. Jehovah's Witnesses call themselves Christians. But are we believing the same things about Jesus? Are we talking about the same Jesus? Because there has to be only one Jesus. Because there's only one name that has been given. There's only one name that has been given by which man shall be saved. The name of Jesus. So we can't just self-identify as Christians outside what God says a Christian is. We have to find out from Jesus what it means to be a Christian. And the reason I say that is because we are talking about salvation. And when we are talking about salvation, we are talking about your soul. You have a soul that does not die. Your body is going to die, but your soul does not die. Your soul shall live forever and ever. And if what you say about Jesus is important for your soul, we have to make sure that you say the right things about Jesus. We have to make sure that you believe the correct things about Jesus. In Matthew 7, verses 22 to 23, this is what Jesus said. Many will say to me in that day, many will say to me on that day, the day that you shall meet with Jesus, many people are going to be there. And many are going to come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, 
Have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders in your name? And listen to what Jesus said to them. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. That is the last thing that you want to hear from Jesus. I never knew you. I have nothing to do with you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. But we have to understand what Jesus is talking about. In what way were these people lawless? They were lawless because of this. They came to Jesus. And they were talking about themselves. They came to Jesus. And they were talking about what they did for Jesus. Listen to the text again. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Wasn't I baptized in your name? Did I not sing in the choir in your name? Did I give money to the church in, in your name? They are talking about themselves. When it comes to you talking to Jesus, don't talk about you. You don't talk about yourself. You talk about Jesus. You talk about what Jesus did for you. That's the problem. So Jesus says, when you come before me, don't talk about you. Don't say, I was this and that. You can only, remember what we're singing. Christ is the only solid rock on which we stand. So you only talk about what Christ did for you to be saved. Very, very important. Because that is the heart of the gospel. Your salvation only rests in what Jesus did for you. On your behalf. Not what you yourself did for Jesus. So these people were not approaching God in the way that God had determined. God has determined that all men have to approach him one way. You cannot just show up in the White House without a prior arrangement, without security clearance. You cannot just show up and begin to talk to the President of the United States without following the proper channel. Jesus is more than the President of the United States. Jesus is God. And you just don't show up before him whichever way you want and wearing whatever clothes you want. You have to be dressed in a certain way. You have to be dressed in the garments that Jesus has given you. Jesus has to give you some clothes. He doesn't want the clothes that you are wearing. He has to give you his righteousness. He has to give you a new robe, a white robe, the robe of righteousness. So God has to be approached in a certain way. People don't know that. The world does not know that. They think they're going to die and find themselves in heaven. They think that just because they died, then they go to heaven. And that God somehow was so lonely and is waiting for them. And God could just not wait for them to come and make his life complete. That's what sinners think. God has existed forever and ever all by himself. God does not need anybody. God does not need anyone. Because if God needs anything, then he is not God. God doesn't need anybody. God does not need angels. God does not need you. But you need God. You need Jesus. You need God, even the sinners who do not know that they need Jesus, need Jesus. 
So we have to understand what it means to be a Christian because it's important to our understanding of how we get accepted by God. How do you get accepted by God? If God were to come to you tonight, do you know what you have to say to him? What do you have to do to be accepted by him? What do you have to give as payment if God says, you owe me? You owe me. Do you know how much to carry with you to give God? That he may say, come and live with me in my blessedness for eternity. What do you carry? What do you have to give God? God does not need anything. But he requires something from you which you don't have. God requires that you have the righteousness of God. That's your problem. That's my problem. And that's what Jesus is doing for you. Jesus is giving you something that you could never buy with your money. He's doing something for you that you could never work even in 20 billion years. You could never pay what God requires for you. We have to understand who we are if we have to understand what Christ has done. This is good news. It may come as harsh, but this is good news. What you're hearing right now is the best news ever that you ever hear. Because as when I started talking, there are thousands of people who died as I was reading across the world who don't know this. Thousands of people have died from the time that I started preaching who died without knowing the way of peace with God. And you, God has preserved you even to this day that you may hear this. That when you die, it will be well with your soul. It is the grace of God to put you here tonight and to hear how you can approach God in peace. Because we have to approach God in peace. No man can approach God outside the way that God has said for you to approach him. So we need to understand who we are. We need to understand who we are. And we can't understand who we are unless God tells us who we are. It's not what grandmother said about you. It's not what grandpa said about you when you were a little girl or a little boy. That does not take you to heaven. And as much as grandma or grandpa was well-meaning, that is not enough for you to go to heaven. You need to hear what God says about you. And what God says about you is not good. It's not good. And we need to know what God has said about us. Because if we don't understand that, Jesus Christ becomes just one of many options to go to heaven. Like some people believe. This is what God says about you from Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 verses 10 to 18. We have to read that. God says, Of all the children of man, there is none righteous, not even one. So the best of men, the best of women, the best of children, God says none of them are righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There's none who does good. There's none who does good. There's no man or woman who does good. There's not even one. Their throat is an open grave. 
With their tongues, they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. The children of man do not know the path of peace. They don't know the way of peace. And there's no fear of God before their eyes. So you see, if you think, well, I was, I'm not that bad. If you think verse 12 did not get you, the next verse would get you. If you think verse 14 doesn't get you because he didn't curse, the next verse will get you. This is a summary of all men. It's a summary of the young and the old, the rich and the poor, the beautiful and the ugly. And this is who you and I are. And because of this, we are in serious trouble and alienated from God. So now, given that this is who we are, how do we get from that? How do we get from the cursing and the bitterness? How do we get to fear God? How do we get from that? To be called children of God. How do you get from that to be accepted by God? Where God says, come to me into my blessedness. Come to me and I'll give you life. Come to me and I'll give you my righteousness. How do you get from that? You can't give enough money to get from that. Cannot be done. But what is impossible with man is possible with God. How shall a sinner be accepted by a holy and righteous God? How shall you be accepted by God? But that's the problem. The problem is not retirement money. The problem is not anything that men think is a problem. There's only one problem that men have. There's only one problem. How do you get accepted by God? That's the only problem. If you answer that, you've answered everything. If you answer that problem, how do you as you are get accepted by God? If we answer that, we have answered everything. Because once God accepts you, everything is well with you. And when we answer that, we are also answering the question, who is a Christian? Who is a Christian? Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 18, verse 18. Jesus was talking to a certain ruler who came to him and said, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Good teacher, what shall I do? But he's thinking it's about him doing. And we have to command the young ruler because he asked the right question to the right person. The right question to the right person. He came to Jesus and said, what shall I do? He realized that there is something that needs to be done for him to inherit eternal life. But he did not realize that what was required of him to do was beyond his ability to do. So Jesus said to him, you know the commandments. And Jesus did not even give him the Ten Commandments. He gave him four. Four. And the young man said to Jesus, Oh, Jesus, that's easy. I have done that right from my youth. 
Give me something else to do. That's so easy. I've been doing this from since I was a young man. Give me something more. I need to do Jesus. And of course, the ruler doesn't know anything about salvation and righteousness. Jesus says, okay, you want something to do. I'll give you something to do that you can't do. If you read the conversation, Jesus says to the young ruler, go and sell everything that you have and come follow me. Go and sell everything that you have and come follow me. And this he could not do. And this he could not do. So if you come to Jesus and you think you're going to be smart enough to ask Jesus what to do, Jesus is going to give you something that you can't do. Jesus will always give you something that you can't do to show you that righteousness cannot be found. Righteousness cannot be had by what you can do yourself. Righteousness has to be given. Righteousness has to be given by someone who is righteous. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? We need, if it means we can talk until past midnight. Let's talk about it past midnight. Because if Jesus is telling the truth, then we have to hear what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying and asking the same question and saying, what will it profit a man if they gain the whole world and lose their own soul? This is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, your soul does not belong to you. Your soul does not belong to you. It needs to be exchanged. Your soul needs to be exchanged. And if the whole world, if everything that is in the world belonged to you, it had your name and you had the title deeds to everything in the world, Jesus is saying you can't bring that to exchange your soul that you may have life. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus was an accountant. Jesus was an accountant. He is using the language of accounting. What shall you give in exchange for your soul? What shall it profit a man to gain? Profit and gain. Jesus knows something about accounting. And he says, you have to do an accounting to determine what you are going to give for your soul to be exchanged. Where, who owns your soul then? Who owns your soul? Sin. Death. And the condemnation of God's judgment. Jesus is saying, what are you going to give to God so as to be removed from your sin, so as to pay for your sins, so as to be accepted by him. What are you going to give? What do you have? What do you have to give? Now we have two options. It's either you yourself are going to bring something and give to God and say, God, accept me because of what I have brought. Or you're going to say, Lord, I have Jesus. I have Jesus. Jesus is my payment. I have brought Jesus. Talk to him. He has my payment. Talk to him. Talk to your son. Don't talk to me. Don't talk about yourself. When you come before God, you talk about Jesus. And if we understand this, if we understand this, 
then we are getting to the solution of our problem. And we are getting to the good news of our problem. We are sinners. And to be a sinner means one has missed the mark of God's righteousness. To be a sinner means you have missed a mark. There's a mark right there and you have missed it. And if you miss it, you are in trouble. If you are a sinner, you have a righteousness problem. You have a problem with God because God is righteous and he does not accept anyone into his house who is not as righteous as his son. God does not accept anyone into his house who does not possess the righteousness of Jesus. So because you have a righteousness problem and you have a payment problem, you can't use a credit card to exchange for your soul. You can't use a credit card. You have to find payment for yourself. But this is what the psalmist David said in Psalm 49. Listen to this. Psalm 49, 79. No man can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of his soul is costly. The redemption of your soul is costly. And this is coming from the words of the Holy Spirit. And he should cease trying forever that he should live on eternally that he should not undergo decay. God is saying, you should stop trying to be saved by your own self. Why? He gave us the reason. He says, the payment is too costly. It's too costly that no man is able to bring that kind of payment. But when Jesus shows up and Jesus knows about Psalm 49, Jesus shows up and he says, I am the ransom payment. I am enough to make the payment that God requires not just for you, but for her and for him. And what makes Jesus able to do that? Because if Jesus is just the son of Mary, if Jesus is just the son of Mary and Joseph, Jesus cannot save you. He needs to be saved. But if Jesus is the son of God, if Jesus is God, then he can save all of you. And God is okay with that. He can save 20 more million people. He can save 2 billion people. Because he is the son of the living God. So then, it's important for your testimony, for your faith, to believe in the right Jesus. Because if you believe in the wrong Jesus, you are not saved. You cannot be saved for believing in the wrong Jesus and the wrong gospel. Because a wrong Jesus gives you a wrong gospel. And a wrong gospel cannot give you the righteousness that you need. There are a lot of Jesuses in South America, in Spain. There are so many people called Jesus. But there's only one Jesus who saves. And we have to make sure that we are talking about the Jesus who saves. So the payment of our sin is something that is beyond your ability or mine to pay. And I said, because we are sinners, we need peace with God. You need peace with God. You don't need peace with your husband. Peace with your children. You can have that. That's good for you temporarily. But your biggest problem is you need peace with God. Because 
with your children, I can go and talk to them. And I say, I talked to your mother. And she has these concerns. And I can try to reason with your child. And they may come to an understanding and they'll say, I think I am wrong. And you are right. I think mother is right. I am going to apologize and talk to mother and we have peace. But it does not work like that with God. When it comes to God, you need a mediator. You need one who goes between you and God, who goes and talks to God. You need one that God listens to. You need one that God hears. And God hears only his son. Remember what he said about his son. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. You got to listen to Jesus. You got to listen to Jesus. So you need a mediator. The one who comes between you and God and he talks to God on your behalf. Because he knows what God wants. And he knows your problem. So he comes to God and says, I paid for her sins. Don't send her to hell. She is mine. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. So let us not buy into what men say that someone rests because they died. The Bible says there's no rest for the wicked. And as long as you don't believe in Jesus, God calls you the wicked. He doesn't even call you by your name. He calls you the wicked. There's no rest for the wicked. So let us not lie to ourselves and say, someone who dies outside Christ has rested. No, they haven't rested. Actually, their trouble has just begun. So Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Jesus is saying, your eternity, your eternity rests on what you say about that. Your eternity rests on what you say. How you answer that simple question. Who do you say that I am? Jesus wants to know what you say about him. Is he the son of God? Is he your Lord and Savior? Is he your only hope? What do you say about Jesus? This is what makes us different from everybody else. We believe some things about Jesus that men don't believe. That's what makes us different. That's what makes you a Christian. It's what you say about Jesus. And the testimony of Christianity is that Jesus is the Christ. The Messiah. The Savior. Who is the Son of the living God. Jesus is God the Son. Who do you say that I am? So are you a Christian? Based on what? What you say about Jesus or what you do yourself? You are only a Christian if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And not only that, that this Jesus came and lived and died and resurrected on the third day. He died to pay your sins. He paid for your sins and he resurrected on the third day. Why did Jesus resurrect? Because in Jesus resurrecting, this is what God was teaching. Jesus came to pay for your sins. Jesus came to pay for your sins. And if Jesus does not rise out of the grave, your sin was not paid. If Jesus does not come out of the grave, God has not accepted you. But if Jesus paid for all your sins and God was happy with what Jesus did on your behalf, 
God has to honor Jesus and raise him from the dead. So the hope of a Christian is that Jesus, the Son of God, died and resurrected. And that's your testimony. That's your only hope. Your giving to the church won't help you to get saved. And yet, yes, as Christians, we give to the church. We give to the work of the Lord. But our salvation is not in our giving. Our salvation is not in our baptism. Let us not play with Jesus and believe things that don't save. You only get saved when you believe in Jesus. Jesus is the glorious Son of God whom all the angels, all the denizens of heaven, they gather around his throne and worship him. This is who Jesus is. He is the one who is holding all things. That one knows you by name. And when he went on the cross, he had your name written on his hands. You. Jesus did not need to go on the cross. Jesus did not have any sins of his that needed to be paid for. Jesus only went on the cross for you. Or the Lord is good. The Lord has been good to you. The Lord has been good to you. So we have people who believe that they are Christians. The Mormons believe they are Christians. But what do the Mormons say about Jesus? The Mormons say Jesus is not God. They say Jesus is the twin brother of the devil. That's what they teach. I'm telling the truth. They say Jesus is the twin brother of Lucifer. Yes, that's what they teach. And yet they say they're Christians. Yet they say they're going to heaven. Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. They believe Jesus is some exalted angel. An exalted angel can't save you. The twin brother of Lucifer can't save you. You need a Jesus who is God. So, it doesn't matter how sincere someone believes in a false Jesus. If you believe sincerely that Jesus is the twin brother of Lucifer, guess what? You are going to hell. It doesn't matter what you do. You are going to hell. You have to come and believe in the true Jesus that God has given us. So what makes you a Christian? You are a Christian because you believe in the person of Jesus. Believing in Jesus is the hardest thing to do. You have to hear me. Believing in Jesus is the hardest thing that you ever do. To believe Jesus whom you have never seen. And to put all your life and your eternity, your acceptance by God in someone that you just heard of. That is the hardest thing that you ever do. But you can't believe in Jesus by yourself. Something has to happen to you. You cannot just wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to believe in Jesus. It doesn't work like that. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, verses 5 to 6, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus is saying, unless God does something to you, you will never come to Jesus. Unless you are born again, unless you are given a new spiritual life, unless God awakens you from your spiritual deadness to bring you to the reality that 
you are in a house full of snakes. That you are dying and you are desperate and there's no way out. To come to that understanding only happens by the Spirit of God. So when you believe in Jesus, it's because God gave you His Holy Spirit. I need you to understand that believing in Jesus is not as easy as you think it is. Don't think you just came to believe in Jesus because you were raised by parents who went to church. That's not true. You believe in Jesus only because God has given you the revelation of Jesus. And that's the good news. Because right now you're looking at yourself, you're looking at your life, you're thinking, was I good enough in my life? Did I do enough good things in my life for God to accept me? What about that sin that I committed when I was an 18-year-old girl? What about that night? What about the things that I've said? Those things. What are you going to do with them? Who is going to pay for them? Because God looks at your life as a whole. You may have been a bad, bad, bad person until you're 25. And then you reformed. But what's going to happen to the things that you did when you were 25 and younger? What are you going to do about that? So this is what I'm saying. If you believe in Jesus tonight, say thank you, Lord. Say thank you, Lord, because it's not all who believe in Jesus. And if you believe in Jesus, God is saying you belong to me. Don't be afraid of death. Don't be afraid of judgment. Because the judgment that God was supposed to put on you, he already put on Christ. Oh, that's good news. That's so good news. If you knew what the judgment was, Jesus going on the cross, the Son of God was crying and saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Christ was forsaken. That you may not be forsaken. You will never know what it means to be forsaken. You will never know what it means to die. I am telling you the truth. It will just be like getting out of this room and into another room. That's exactly what death is for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of of God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are some who call themselves Christians who don't believe that God is three persons. There are some. They call themselves Christians. They believe that God the Son is God the Father. They believe that the Son is the Father who died on the cross. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that there's God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is the Son who died for your sins and resurrected. And John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. We'll get done soon. Let me finish what the Lord has given me to give you. Because I won't be here tomorrow. And I won't be here on Wednesday. So let me tell you what the Lord has given me. The Lord wants you to know from John 1, verse 1 to 5. This is what God says about Jesus. He says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. All things. You were not born by your mom. Not your parents. Your parents have no power to bring a child into the world. You came into being by the power of Jesus. That's what this is saying. And apart from him, listen to this, nothing came. Nothing apart from Jesus. Nothing came into being 
that has come into being. There's nothing that exists. Those books don't exist outside Jesus. These lights don't exist outside Jesus. Nothing. Zero. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And John tells us, in John 1.14, and says, And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us. This word, who was in the beginning with God, this word, who created all things, became flesh. He added human nature to himself. And he dwelt among us. This Jesus, this word of God, dwelt among us. Jesus came that he may identify with you, that he may come and die for your sins. The Son of God left his throne and added a nature that is below that of angels. God, angels, and men. And Jesus comes and he adds your nature to himself that he may lift you out of judgment, out of shame. God has been gracious to you. When it looks like your world is coming apart, when you have that very bad day, that very bad week, I have some good news for you. Those are not the things that define your life. The Bible says your life is hidden in Christ Jesus. The cross of Jesus is the final commentary. The cross of Jesus is the only one that has the final say on your life and nothing else. The cross of Jesus is saying, your payment was made. God was satisfied. Death was defeated. The devil was defeated. And you were accepted. You were accepted. Praise God for Jesus Christ. <laughs> so who is a Christian? Again, coming to the end. Unless if you want me to keep talking. I love to talk about Jesus. I can only bring you the Jesus that I know. And that's the Jesus that God has given me. And this is the Jesus that you find in the Bible. This is the only Jesus that you find in the Bible. And God has raised me in this hour in your life and brought me here to teach you and to show you the way that you can meet with God. Because each and every one of us has an appointment with God. All men have an appointment with God. So when we die, we die because God is saying, it's time for you and I to meet. If you are still here today, God hasn't called out your name yet. If God calls out your name, you don't need to be sick to die. You will come. And he can call you anytime. Even after the doctor has just said, everything is well. Jesus can call you. But also at the same time, even when the doctor has said, you're dying tomorrow, if Jesus doesn't call you, guess what? You're still here. You're still here with the pain, but you're still here. You only die because God has called your name. He has to say, come. Who is a Christian? It is the one who believes that Jesus is God and man. Who lived and died 
and resurrected on the third day. And they believe that their only hope of ever being accepted by God. I, I need you to remember this statement. Accepted. That's all Jesus is doing. He is getting you accepted. Because by yourself, you cannot be accepted. Return the package to the sender. Return the package to the sender. God will pay the postage. You are not getting to heaven. You have to come in Christ. So a Christian is the person who believes that Jesus is God, the Son, who took up human flesh and lived, died, and resurrected and paid for your sins that you may be accepted. The gospel is a gospel of acceptance. The gospel is a gospel of acceptance. And hallelujah, we have been accepted by Christ and through Christ. And that brings us to Thanksgiving. Did you know that I was preaching on Thanksgiving? I've been preaching on Thanksgiving because people, when they talk about Thanksgiving, they say, I'm thankful for my parents. I'm thankful for my sister. But they never tell you to whom they're thankful. They never say they're thankful to God. They just say, I'm thankful. I am thankful. We as Christians, we are thankful to God for Jesus. And if you stop there, you have thanked God for everything. If you thank God for Jesus, you have thanked God for everything. Because everything that you are and everything that you have comes from Jesus. So, the proper way of thanksgiving is not just to thank someone that you don't know about things that don't really matter and forget to thank God for Jesus who has given you his life. Jesus who has made you acceptable by God. We are thankful to God for the gift of salvation. We are thankful to God for the gift of acceptance. We call that justification. We are thankful to God for what he has done for us in his son. The son of God being humiliated by sinners. The son of God being put on the cross. Being shamed. Not for his sake but for your sake. Can we get on our knees say thank you Jesus for what you have done for me because Jesus is your only friend. You don't have a friend who will ever die for you. You don't have parents who love you enough to die for you. You don't have anybody who loves you enough to die for you. There's only one who loves you enough to die for you. And it's Jesus. And that's what he has done. Because he loves you that much. And we praise God for him. You have to believe in Jesus. Because you don't have enough time, enough resources to work a righteousness that God accepts. If you have not heard of Jesus, if you come to Jesus, God will give you the righteousness of Jesus right now as I speak. That's the beauty of the gospel. You don't have to try to be good. You have to just know that you are not good and run to Christ. 
Run to Jesus. And he will embrace you with his own hands. Praise God. Thank you. I hope you had something. I hope you had something. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before the throne again tonight. Lord, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. For who he is and what he has done to give your people salvation. Your people need salvation. They need to be accepted. They need life. And you have given us all these things in your son, Jesus Christ. May he be exalted on earth as he is in heaven. May you bring understanding to your people. May you give them the spiritual life that they may hear these things and believe in them. May you be with your people, Lord. You know their struggles. You know what they need. May you supply for them as they surgeon, as they wait for the heavenly call. We pray and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord.